0: I don't really like the thing, oh, I like to help people. It's just so different than that. It's, again, back to being in a a funeral and being given permission to feel. I could be in my office in this room with these people with these such deep feelings that I so, so honored Welcome to
1: SEMA In this episode, I talk with Anne O'Leary Young, who also happens to be my mother about her experiences of loss and how they led her to become a therapist She recently ended a decade-long private therapy practice following her career as a school social worker We discuss her father's death in a car accident when she was 18 and her brother's suicide that occurred several years later, as well as the ways grief has played a part in our own relationship. It's important to note that this episode contains conversation about difficult topics, including eating disorders, self-destructive behavior, and suicide. Please be careful with yourself when choosing to listen, and don't hesitate to turn off the conversation if it it isn't feeling helpful for you. And with that, I present Anne O'Leary Young, who is so precious to me, I can hardly begin to talk about it. My name is CL Young, and I'm so glad you're here.
0: My brother died by suicide when I was 26 years old and he was 35. Um, and I was seven months pregnant with my second daughter. Um, and during the next, I would say three or four years, I was pretty focused on you know, raising these children, but then also At age 30, I started my own therapy for the very first time and realized how I had not even touched the feelings I had about grief and loss. And in my therapy, not only was I benefiting myself, I became just so intrigued with the process, and there was a part of me that wanted to learn how to do it. At the same time, I was working at the it was the YWCA at that time and working with women who were labeled again at that ta- at time displaced homemakers. So these were women who needed to work to get into jobs, and we had a three week course which included initially listening to them and and all the things that they were struggling with. And I, re, I was really, um, I felt very connected and very alive in that situation. On the other hand, I felt very, as if I didn't have the skills I wanted to really be able to help them that I was receiving in therapy. And, um, you know, also becoming more and more in touch with my grief with the loss of my father and my brother. And so eventually, I did end up going to graduate school in social work. And primarily, I wanted to learn to be a therapist. Um, My second year in graduate school, part of our curriculum was writing a thesis. And I chose to write about suicide. And when I initially talked to one of my my thesis advisor about this, she was actually quite concerned and really questioned me for a while, um, you know wondering if that was really in my best interest <clears throat> um, that maybe I was you know doing this for the wrong reasons, but after we talked she she agreed with me and So the way I did that, I was fortunate to be in a a university that had a psychiatric clinic, even with a small hospital, which no longer exists anywhere, but was very unusual at the time. Um, And they had kept pretty detailed notes about students and graduate students who had Um, died by suicide and two of the therapists in the clinic had been therapists to two of these people so I did what was called a, a retrospective study so I studied in particular you know I think there were two or three files that had quite a bit of detail and then I had access to all the students that they knew of that had died this way and so i started to pull that together did pretty intense interviews with the therapists and just went through that and and what and this is certainly not new information but what was so just crystal clear and striking every single one of these students killed themselves because of some kind of loss And the loss could have been as what we might feel minimal as getting a a D in a, in a, in a class, you know, all the way to the other end of, you know, having their girlfriend die or, or some just awful thing. And the others were somewhere in between, but every single one, it was loss, you know, based on. How we humans are, I'm sure most of them were an accumulation of what had happened throughout their short lives already. Um, Definitely in the the cases that I did have information, it certainly, in those cases, it was not just an impulsive thing. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, again, over years of being depressed and anxious and traumatized. Uh, and then just one thing was just caused the tipping.
1: Do you, did you think of your dad's death or do you think now of your dad's death as suicide?
0: Uh, yes. Um. Not quite sure what words I want to use. I I definitely, at the time, didn't think that. Sure. As time went on, I mean, clearly, it was very high-risk, self-destructive behavior to leave a snowy resort town at 2 o'clock in the morning after having been drinking all night and drive back to Boise on a very snowy slick road so it's certainly self-destructive and then his brother two years older did commit suicide many 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 years later you know and I don't remember all the details but I think I was a young adult Actually, I think it was after my brother died, even maybe five or six years. And um, I think one day he just went somewhere and shot himself. He was a very avid hunter and fisherman, just didn't belong in this world, in the world that was at that time. Um, So that's my memory of that. So, in correlation with my father. Was that a suicide? I mean, I think it's pretty well
1: understood at this point that obviously, like, suicidality is prevalent in families. And I wonder if you, like, after your brother died and maybe as you were becoming a therapist and getting more clarity on your dad's death and your uncle died, if you ever had suicidality or if you how that impacted your own desire to be alive, I guess. I mean, I know I realize that it's complicated and you had kids and there's different stuff going on, but I guess I just, I don't know that we've ever really talked about like how your mental health was affected by all of those things.
0: What, what happened for me was I was fully influenced by my mother and by how I think how she grieved and how you know I grew up in a family as many people at that time did where you really didn't talk about feelings um, or have them yeah. I mean it 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 was let's get rid <laughs> of them at the my brother's funeral and you know, we're, we're all sitting there and my mother doesn't shed a tear and she, it's it, it so inbred in her, I think that you do not show emotion. But of course she handled all of those feelings with different, you know, different coping mechanisms. But I, you know, at funerals, like I think you said earlier that that was the first time you really had experiences of being alive in your emotions and that's what I felt too I felt permission in in a funeral setting or something like that to feel and it was so gratifying in a strange way what has it been
1: like for you not being a therapist anymore
0: The, one of the things that I miss most is I miss the I miss each individual person in different ways on one level just on a level of knowing what's happening in their lives because it's I always felt like in some ways each time I opened the door and someone came in it was like turning the page of the story that week I was so intimately involved in these you know daily daily important things that they were learning in their relationships and in their families and then just supporting people through a lot of you know difficult time and and crisis time. Then at another level there is this deep, connection again as I've mentioned before that doesn't happen in that same way in other relationships um, I began to feel uh, I could almost sense and this is not uncommon that we were both connecting at a, in a place that I wasn't even able to really describe um, almost like a, an uncon- unconscious connection and oftentimes if I could listen to that and feel it I was able to make a decision whether at that moment to hold the space to say something my experience of being a therapist often people think that you're sitting there listening to people which you are and deep listening is is just the the meat of everything however also there's a part of your mind that is always observing and noticing um based on what you understand about the themes in their lives and what you may hope to help them connect with um and i miss i miss all parts of that but most of all the the uh the emotional connection and for me going through the grief and the loss of every person the most interesting i mean for me it was sad it was frustrating uh with you know with, in certain situations And it was ultimately gratifying. Being a therapist has allowed me to access feelings in a way that I'm not sure I could have otherwise. Um, Of course, being in therapy, being the recipient of therapy, you access feelings, but when you're with someone who's deeply expressing their own loss and grief, it takes, it took me to a place. Ultimately, it's the care and caring and love in a certain way between two humans. So then the people are able to go out into into their own lives and relationships feeling a little more trusting and less fearful. Uh, being able to let themselves connect with other people. Because when you're a therapist you have in this experience with many, many people that they're telling you things that they have never told anyone. They tell you these deep, shameful things. And then, then ultimately, many of them are able to realize that their feelings are, are the human condition. I realized that the way loss and grief and death um, touched my life when I was younger for many years, it no longer touches me or it no longer colors the way I see and experience things as it did before. Um,
1: do you think that's because you had so much of it when you were young or because you have arrived at some place of like healing or something?
0: I think both. Uh, Because I had the death, unexpected deaths so young, I, I really went through that, that, Trauma, um, the just such confusing, conflicting feelings and thoughts that I had. And then, in regard to healing, as the years went on, I began to choose and become involved with um, be, learning to be a therapist. Being parts of groups and especially groups of women, who, where I found support and healing, uh, and being a therapist has absolutely been, probably, the primary healing primary healing experience of my life, and it also. Interestingly enough, when you're a therapist, you might be having some really difficult experiences in your own life or ch- and challenges. But then it takes, when you're sitting with someone else, you become fully engaged with them and their world, and it takes the pain away from you, which is, can be helpful and also on the other Side the underbelly of that is, then I didn't always um, process a lot of my own feelings. I remember working for a long, many years with a woman in in her forties who was pretty unstable psychologically, <clears throat> and I'd gone through a lot of crises with her. her her being hospitalized for suicide attempts. And as we got to the, maybe the last year or two, one day I just looked at her and I said, I want to tell you what would happen to me if you decided to kill yourself. And I told her about my brother and how it affected me and so many, many people and that it was such a devastating thing to go through. And that seemed to have more impact on her than almost anything we had worked on wow
1: I mean this is maybe I think you know this but this is maybe a lot to say but I mean I think that the times that I've felt suicidal thinking about you and dad and you especially have been like the primary reason that that doesn't
0: feel like an option for me Yes, I know that. And not too long ago, I was thinking about, thinking of that, knowing that about you and how you feel about us and especially me and how that, and kind of wondering how that has all affected you. Um, What do you mean? like in... well i I guess just one day i was I was wondering how it has been for you to often you know you're you're protecting you protecting me from these just really difficult feelings and not just suicidal feelings, but many other things that you know I We hadn't talked about it when things were happening. I felt that I failed you. Did you feel like you failed me
1: because I had an eating disorder and because I felt suicidal and because I've had manic episodes? Or did you feel like you failed me because I didn't talk to you about those things directly?
0: I no, I don't. I don't think it was that I wanted you to tell me everything. What I I felt, and I felt this also with Claire and Gretchen. You know, I'm being a therapist, and I'm sitting, especially in, in being a high, in a high school, where I'm just, you know with all kinds of kids and I'm very accepting of of you know every kind of kid there is and almost the more troubled they are the more connected I feel to them. And then I come home and I expect my children to, you know, be perfect, which was also a defense I used for myself. If I could be perfect then there wouldn't be any problems in my family or later in my life that I feel like I, I failed because I wasn't able to just to just be hang out, not hang out. to just <laughs> be able to sit with you without you having to, to talk or f- feel, as if you had to censor yourself again. Um, it's a little bit hard for me to describe it, but just being having been able to hold a, a space to be to allow you to be a human. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that, I think it's interesting because you said in the last session that we recorded something about, like, after your dad and brother died or maybe in the midst of all of that, what you really wanted, and maybe not just that, but throughout your life, what you really wanted was for someone to ask you if you were okay yes I think we are similar in a certain sense because we're similar in a certain sense I think because we both uh, have a sort of semblance of having our shit together or being quote perfect or something Um, and I think I think what was hard for me in those moments of struggle is that nobody fucking asked. I mean, I never I never got the sense from you that you needed me to be perfect. I think it was more sort of like the codependent thing of like I needed you and I don't I mean I'm certainly had a time where I felt like I needed to be perfect but like later in my life like throughout my 20s especially I don't think it was so much that I needed to be perfect it was that I needed to make sure it's the same thing that you kind of talk about is that you need everybody to be okay yeah I mean I the irony was not lost on me I certainly don't feel like you failed me I feel like having you as a mom has given me like so many of the tools that I have most needed in order to be a person in a healthy way. I think about that often when I think about, especially the times that I've been suicidal, if I, or when my mental health has been sort of in crisis, if I had a different like parent a different mother, if I had a different set of circumstances, or if I had not been given the tools that I was given as a really young person by you, but just simply by virtue of the way you approached being a parent and like the way you helped me learn how to be a person. I mean, if I and and of course like the openness always in our family to therapy and mental health care and all of that stuff, like if I hadn't had quite the same background I'm not sure I'd be alive Mm. and I I'm not saying that in a dramatic sort of way I just think that I'm very lucky to have gotten the people in my life that I have and having you know parents who are educated and were able to provide me those resources whether it was paying for therapy or you know showing me ways to process my feelings and (laughs) no parent is perfect and I got a lot of resources from you while also you know having had this sort of strange experience of needing to keep you okay and I think also, like, as I've said before, like, my concept of grief in my early life before deaths happened to me was so wrapped up in you and so wrapped up in sort of my awareness of your experience of these really traumatic and unexpected deaths in your early life. And I think that it, it's interesting because all throughout my life, you have seemed so whole and so healed. And I, even around that stuff you were so able to tell me about it and talk about it in ways that felt so steady and i think that i felt so sad for you or something when i was learning about those things and i think i was sort of astonished by how okay you seemed and i understand that way better now that i've been through my own stuff and that I can kind of understand better how healing works or how grief works over time. But I think in a way I just sort of projected onto you, your wound, you know, like it became almost more large for me than I think at the time when I was a kid learning about this stuff at the time that it was for you, if that makes sense. And so anyway, I think that was kind of long-winded, but I think that that ended up creating a sort of habit in me that of not wanting you to hurt anymore Uh, ever um, again. I know it makes you feel bad (laughs) or something to know that I've had like hard things, (laughs) But everybody has hard things and every parent fucks up their kid somehow, you know, and it's not like the parent fucking up their kid, but like no parent can be completely the puzzle piece their child will need. And I think that I love the ways that you fucked me up, you know? like if if your parents have to fuck you up a little bit like I I love the ways I have been fucked up
0: oh I love that
1: or I mean I've learned at least how to integrate them and how how to fill in because I think also if you filled in my tools for me perfectly I wouldn't
0: find my own tools no exactly it has to and I don't, I, I don't feel that way anymore. I mean, when you're suffering and, and struggling or, or now, I mean, I'm, I don't want you to have to, to struggle, but I don't feel it like I used to in the same way. You know, um, it, it feels more, yeah, that's what happened. That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, you know, as a parent, your automatic thing in its primal is to protect, you know, yeah, child, but then the other part of it is they they have to be able to be out into the world, yeah, and
1: um, I mean, if The other thing is, you said something about how you learned grief from your mother, which meant don't feel anything or have no feelings or don't show your feelings. And I learned precisely the opposite thing from you. Not that I saw you modeling feeling your feelings necessarily, but you always, always encouraged me to feel
0: yes so I...
1: I mean you healed that wound so I guess if I ever had children <laughs> I'm not sure what it is I'm gonna tell them to do but I don't know
0: well yeah. you won't you won't tell them what to do you will just be
1: you said another time that your sort of mental health or your grief response was anxiety and that it took you a really long time to let yourself access the sadness. Mm -hmm. Do you, and it sounds like that was, I mean, I was a little kid years and years and years after all of those people died. And I wonder if you, where you think you are now, I mean, I think I'll always have sadness somewhere inside of me. Not so deep, really, most of the time around a lot of the people who have died. But where do you feel like you are now in relationship with your particularly drastic losses, I guess?
0: I am... At a a place of peace with, with them, um, and with and with other losses that I've had. And I think, I mean, the sadness. I think sad. My sadness at this time in my life is also wound up in a more kind of it's almost more of an existential sense of of loss where are you in your healing process what what <laughs> let's see do you have 3 hours <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean i feel sometimes that we are we kind, we parallel each other in certain ways of you know kind of where we are and uh, definitely and i so i guess i'm kind of wondering where you are in terms of our similarity in, in pro, in healing or process yeah
1: the pandemic has sort of in a way like driven a wedge between me and some dead people and not not in a bad way cuz i actually feel closer to a lot of those people than i ever have but Or maybe it's like a wedge between me and my grief. And there's something about living through a time like this that feels so unique or so specific that those people are not living through. Mm. And I don't know, that's very distancing for me from that space. And in a way, it's like that is helping me to move forward. And I think I'm almost like a little bit mad at them jam, especially because I'm sort of like, Hello, I would have liked it if you had been here with me for this, you Mm -hmm. know, I'd like to know what you think I'd like to know how you would do it. And especially not just the pandemic, but also these movements of resistance and how happy they would have been to see this happening mm-hmm. and this um beautiful all these beautiful things being created and so i feel in this odd way like i have healed a lot and and also i just have had to move past maybe like a certain era of sadness around all that stuff because i've decided to live mm-hmm. <laughs> I think maybe part of it is that I just have this new sense that I will be okay Mm -hmm. and that I know how to do this now. Um, And learning also, I think as an adult, just how possible and necessary it is to hold multiple contradictory feelings and multiple contradictory truths at the same time and sort of honing my ability to do that. So I don't know. I mean, today and this week, I'm feeling good and like strong. And I have a lot of anxiety and fear still around losing people, certainly. But I think I also have come to create such profound connection with the people who are dead that even the thought of people I love who are still alive leaving this space I can understand now or hold a connection or imagine a connection with those people when they're not here anymore and that's really reassuring
0: to me Mm -hmm. I'm not as afraid anymore I feel not as afraid anymore, too, and not for exactly the same reasons, you know, but I feel that, too. Um, Yeah. Also, I think it's important, as I think about this project for you, that we often just get become attached to the word grief as attached to death specifically. To also just really be uh, aware of the thread of loss that moves through all of us, every human, all the time. And people, it's, it's important for people to be able to talk about the most minute thing I guess what I'm trying to say is to as you as you talk to people to really hold the space of loss the threat of loss and and grief and healing do you know what I'm saying
1: That was intense, man. I know. It was for me, (laughs) too. I mean, it's good. I'm not sure what it will do, but it's
0: good. And maybe that was what needed to happen today. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, (laughs) I'm going to go cry. I'll go for a run.
0: (laughs) Okay, well... I'm going to go, I don't know what, tap into my sadness and my joy. You're right. There's lots of joy.
1: Yeah, get in that well of sadness. Yeah. Remember when Megan O'Leary told me to take bat- a lot of baths Oh. <laughs> to try to cry? She said it would help me to take like a really salt-heavy bath.
0: <laughs> oh, Interesting
1: and that's why she also told me to break stuff.
0: Oh. And it
1: worked. I mean, I or I just listened to her, but I broke a lot of dishes for a while. I remember
0: and, some of it. Yeah,
1: and took a lot of baths and cried and cried and cried. Anyway, okay, okay I love, love you. you too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to SEMA. Initiated in 2018 as a reading and workshop series in Boise, Idaho, SEMA aspires to nurture deep attention and connection as means for change. To join the mailing list or share your insights, please email semma.readingseries at gmail.com. The song in the background is by Teal Gardner. You can find a link to more of her music in the notes.